0: Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambudasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambudasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambudasa Vidam Damang Sangang Namasami So I'm uh, delighted to have this opportunity to offer some reflections on the Dhamma, and uh, just trying to get a sense of what's going on for you, uh, some of the things that have come up in the interviews, um, and also what Ajahn has been emphasizing all week, and uh, he encouraged me really to just look at my own practice and to... To share some thoughts about that with you. So what, what, I, what I have for you tonight is kind of like a smorgasbord, <laughs> a little bit, uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that, kind of like um, what in England we call bits and bobs. And uh, hopefully it will be some things that will be useful to you as you uh, spend these next few days practicing. Really what it has to do with, everything that I want to talk about tonight um, has to do with what I've experienced as a certain maturing or let's say uh, a change in my understanding of certain tools that we use in practice, some aspects of the teachings but also some of the tools that we use, just noticing through the years how things have changed and I thought it is important to take note of these because uh, I've seen in myself and I've seen in other people uh, there can be a certain tenacity to hold on to one's sense of what the practice is and how to do it uh, and not really be open to the fact that even the experience of wakefulness, even the experience of mindfulness itself goes through like a purification process. It's it's growing, it's changing, the heart is opening and one's understanding is changing. And we have to be alert and awake and, and ready to go with that. So one of the things I've noticed um, has been my view of or my understanding of mindfulness itself. And I find that I'm, I'm, I'm almost not wanting to use that word anymore. Uh, and partly because... Uh, it's sort of locked into a view that I had of it so long ago in practice. It's like when you first go on your first retreat and they give you these instructions and they say, pay attention to the breath and stay with the breath and if it changes, you know, if you get wandering you come back and and you know, when I when I go to where I was in the in the condition of receiving that kind of instruction it was like so, I was still so filled with self-view that, that even that instruction had to filter through that view. And so um, the way that I was being mindful was like uh, just this sense of um, looking and staying on top of it and, and, and don't miss a beat and just stay with it. And, and, and it was so hard and tight. And I don't know if any of you have experienced that, but <laughs> it, it was, uh, it wasn't very pleasant. It wasn't a very comfortable experience. And I've noticed that it's, it's changing through the years. Uh, it's not, it's getting a lot softer and it's kind of happen, happening uh, in its own way, in its own time. I look back on those years, and it's not to be critical of myself, or it's not to, to feel badly because one didn't quite get it. It's like, in a way, it, it really couldn't have been any other way. You know, I was a good Catholic girl. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that sense of having to stay on top of things, to be in control, to, know, to, to uh, do it right, to get it right, was so strong. So strong in my in the very kernel of my being. So it's no wonder that one would take even this practice, and it had it had to go through that kind of filter. It had to uh, be seen in that way. And from some of the things that I'm hearing from people, it, this is not an uncommon experience. You know, and what we see over the years of practice is a wonderful softening. You know, I find myself anymore almost wanting to waltz into the meditation hall, you know, like a make a kind of a Loretta Young entrance or something. You know? I was thinking of what Ajahn was saying the other night about the tiaras and pearls and <laughs> it occurred to me that it would be kind of fun if I could find some to, to come into the hall with that on tonight. <laughs> but that's what it feels like. It's like there's there's more of a of a welcoming. I'm interested. I w I want to practice. And that didn't, you know, that wasn't the way it was in the beginning. So I want to kind of try to hone in on what is changing and what that experience is and see if I can take you there with me And because and, I know you know it. it. It's a very common experience. And I'll go back to uh, something that happened a long time ago before way before Buddhism, before meditation. I think I might have been doing some kind of meditation at the time, but uh, uh, I don't quite recall. But it was a time when I was going through a very, very difficult life experience. And um, as these things can be, it just getting so narrow, you know, so driven uh, to, to solve and deal with and sort out and you know, the intensity of some of these things that we find ourselves in can be so strong. And this one was particularly tenacious. I was so wounded, so hurt, and, and just uh, trying, as the heart will do, to scramble to get away from it and try to scramble into it to try to fix it and do something about it. And this had been going on for, oh, it was just months and months, a very, very strong, tenacious state of mind. And it got got to the point, as I suspect you've felt sometimes, where you just get exhausted, you know. It's so tiring to be constantly trying to funnel your entire being through a tiny little tunnel. You know, there's there's no room. And um, I was living at the beach at the time. And in this state, I, I went out on the porch. And it was actually a beautiful setting uh, at the beach, right kind of nestled in the dunes, and uh, the porch had three open screen sides to it, so you kind of jut out into the environment to go into it. Uh, So I went out on the porch, and um, it was one of those sinking moments where in the pain of it, you you know, one becomes almost prayerful, you know, (laughs) please, you know if there's anybody out there, <laughs> you know, the angels, Dave, I don't know who you are, God, somebody, you know, come, and I need help, you know, give me a, give me a hand. And it's sort of in the emptying of that kind of surrender. Um, I was just sitting there, and right outside the screen where I was sitting, there was this shrub, and a, and a bird came up, a songbird. And it sat right there on the, on the uh, s- uh, shrub and I looked at it and it looked right at me and it just started singing. <laughs> and it was just so incredible, it, it, you know. And I realized in that moment, as one does, that I hadn't heard a bird in months. And then, as it, it just did a few little bars and as it, as it flew away, and my eyes went with it, and all of a sudden I saw the, the sky and the uh, oaks and the sand and this incredible environment that I, I was in, which for months I hadn't even noticed. And the colors were so vivid, and I could smell the ocean, and I could feel the breezes, and I was so alive so awake and so alert. And I'll never forget it. And I suspect that you, you've had these kinds of moments, you know? If you could go there and just remember that, what that, what that felt like. There's, there's these moments where you just snap out of it and you're here, right? And it can be, even in the, even in the depths. It can come out out of the depths often. so what what is it about that state you know i i had the feeling even then and i still have it now and i can i can go to that feeling what that what that felt like so easily it was so rich so profound and i have the feeling that that this is this is possible this is our potential that we can actually i mean if i felt it then i can feel it again you know it's like it's a it's accessible. This is the uh, the state of mind, the state of being that is possible for us. But it seems to me that it's kind of fragile, it's kind of shaky, and we don't we don't. Well, on the one, one hand, you love it, you know. Oh, please, <laughs> more of this all of the time. But on the on the other hand and you stay in it for a few seconds you know and it starts to get a little weird it 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 starts to get very uncomfortable you know i uh, i i don't i don't think i quite want to be here because if i if i feel it fully it, it is so open and so vulnerable and so raw and so now you know it's what ajahn's been talking about all week Allowing, accepting, receiving. You know, what is that state? It's so easy to talk about. But what is it? What does it feel like? And when I enter it, when I actually feel that, I get a little sick. You know, I get a little nauseated and definitely Scared. It's, it's a state that we can't quite hold on to and and that i think we mature into it's like to hold it or let's say to stay in it what happens is that there's a maturing process that that takes place with one's capacity to contain it so that and and how i've been experiencing that maturing is like there's a growing, uh, there's a growing experience of the, the pain of mental torment, the pain of delusion, the pain of being caught up in self-view, you know. And so, as you, as we experience that more and more, then the, the heart gets it, and it, it it sort of just, when you start to go into it, it you know, it just pulls back. It recedes it, it 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 doesn't go into those states as easily it doesn't want them you know it's like you're getting it you know but it's also a state where like the the depth of insight just isn't there the the, the real depth of understanding of Dhamma that w- is necessary to sustain that you know just is not strong enough yet so it's like, feel this state and know that this is right where we want to be. You know, so that this sense of mindfulness, it's, it's sort of, I don't know, it's, it's almost like it's not big enough. You know? it, it, uh, it's more a state of such openness and such receptivity that any notion of me being mindful of something or being aware of something, it it doesn't fit, you know, It's it's got to, to fall away. And so I think that practice is kind of a process of getting more and more okay with that state, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's good news and bad news, isn't it? <laughs> you know, because you know what I'm talking about, you know it's possible, you know you can do it. But you also know that to do it, it's like it's facing, it's facing a, a very, very scary, scary place. At least from from the vantage point that we're at right now. So I have I've actually found I was telling somebody this today in an interview. I, I, I have actually found it very helpful. It might seem like it's a contradiction, but. Uh, I've actually found it very helpful to meditate on, to to contemplate uh, my my ignorance. You know, the extent of my ignorance. Uh, and that, that may sound funny, but it's like, how are you going to get comfortable in that state? You have to receive and open to the fact of what it is that I don't know, and to get okay with the not knowing. Because this state is, a, is, a, is like pregnant with not knowing. Can you feel that? Yeah, it's like it's... You have to be okay with the ignorance. And it's so interesting because when you get okay with it, it's like settling into the not knowing, is the door to the knowing. Can you feel it? It's like it's right there. It's right there. And so that everything that we need to know, everything that we need to be, everything that we need to experience is right there in that moment. And I love that because it's like you don't need anything else. It's just as Buddha said. It's right here, right now. Find a way to open to it and you'll see, you'll know. Just getting that sense of how the wakefulness, the awareness itself is expanding, is growing. And how, you know, tune in to where it is that you are with that. Well that was one one thing. One bit and bob. <laughs> so the 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 sec the second thing I'd like to talk about is similar. It's it's a it's something else that goes through a certain um, maturing or growing and expanding and you, you really have to allow that to happen. Um it goes back to the beginning, too, where we learned about the mental noting, you know, the, the uh, attending to what's happening and uh, giving it a name, knowing so that, so that, you know, the effort is to, to connect the mind with, with what's happening. And it's a very useful tool. I, I don't know about you, but I I really killed that tool. <laughs> I didn't know how to use that, <laughs> or else or else it's not useful. I don't know. I can't really say which one it is. But for the longest time in my meditation practice, and I mean a long time, it, it, using that for me was like it was it was like clobbering what was happening. It was like getting right... I felt like I, it was like shooting at ducks in a shooting gallery. You know, Just, you know, yeah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. And, and really not, um, you know, satisfying myself that I was being aware. <laughs> and that I was connecting with what was happening. And yet, um, the, the truth of it was that what was underlying this was... Um, very subtle levels of not wanting to connect. You know? This was a great tool for me. I don't have to get next to anything. <laughs> you know, I can just clobber the heck out of it and 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 not really feel it. You know? And so... Um, and I, I began to... recognize that something needed to change with this. And... I got help from a very unexpected source. At the time, I was working on um, a cookbook. Um, I have written a, a couple of muffin cookbooks. Um, I don't know if you know that about me, but I'm a muffin aficionado. <laughs> I just love muffins. <laughs> <laughs> so, to do these, uh, to do. Very young with a tray of <laughs> To make these, um, to do these cookbooks, I, I had to come up with uh, 75 muffin recipes for each book. And um, that's like 150 muffin recipes, you know. <laughs> that's a lot of different muffins. And, but to do that, I, I, um, I went back over uh, in, in my life the, the foods that I love to eat. And um, I discovered in this process that I have a, a very highly developed sense of taste, you know, far beyond I was, what I was even aware of, and also a very strong imagination. So I didn't actually even have to be tasting the thing. I knew what it tasted like. And I could go back in, um, in my life, and, and what I did was just sort of say, well, remember that mochicina milkshake? <laughs> what was it about that? That was, the, you know, there was this place I used to go to in Virginia Beach for milkshakes and these, this particular one it was just so, it, uh, they nailed it, you know. <laughs> it was so perfect. And so, it, in my mind, I could bring that up like Ajahn was talking about. You can conjure it and memory is, is fabulous. And it's, it's, it's not that I could actually taste it, but I could tell you what was in it. Do you know what I mean? so that I would do that and I became very very skilled at this um, and I could I could go okay it was coffee yeah okay how much what was, it was so it was a cu- about a cup of really strong coffee that'll do it and then you know the chocolate was it no it wasn't very strong it wasn't it was just a hint now is it, is it four tablespoons no it was only about two know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and then even like with the liquids, you know, do I want sour cream? No, 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 that's, you know, that's that's not going to give you the right flavor. It needs, it had that little bit of bitterness in it, buttermilk, you know. And I could just do this, just kind of imagining it. And it, I got very good at it, and the recipes were like coming out like crazy, you know. And just very precise, and, and I found that I could trust it. i, I I barely needed to even test them, you know i I made them, and they were just exactly what I was going for. It was amazing and then or else i'd go to a friend's house and they 'd serve something you know and it, it i like well, I remember this uh cornbread with uh sun dried tomatoes in it, and i I would taste it and I could I could tell you exactly how much of this was in it and that was in it and the cheese and what kind of cheese and that little bit of cumin and all that. So I, I became very, very skilled at this and a uh, uh, successful muffin maker. <laughs> but interestingly, which is where, the, back to mindfulness... Uh, LAUGHTER I found that my meditations during that time got incredibly rich. It was like this capacity to tune in was getting very, very heightened along with this whole process. like I was transposing. I mean, this, in a way, was was mindfulness. It was investigation. It was looking at what it is that one is experiencing. And so then I'd sit in meditation, and these mind states would come up, and I could nail them, you know. But nail them not in the way of clobbering them, but nail them because I was so completely feeling them that I knew exactly what it was, you know. And I found that it sort of started to take like an, an organic uh, flow to it. Even meditation would be—I'd start to move with different energies. Like something would come up, and I could—I could feel it, but I couldn't quite connect. And so I'd go like, uh, okay, where is it? What is it? And, and maybe my shoulder would dip down and I'd pull up into it, or, you know, I'd squirm down and try to, try to feel it and, and let the mood or the mind state just completely consume me so that in that direct experience of it, I would know what it was. And then I could say it. But it was like, it was almost like at that point, the naming of it was totally irrelevant. You know you, It's almost like I, I started to get this feeling like the naming of it was all part of self-view, you know, And, and this, this, this sense of self is always trying to get in on the act. You know, everything just happened. It's all always a day late and a dollar short. It gets in there and wants to have something to say about it, but actually, everything's already over. You know it, it already just happened. So, just learning more to stay with the actual experience and in 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 a very intuitive way, in a very direct way, I would know what it was. you know can you feel that it's like and and to me, this is the what the Buddha is talking about in terms of direct experience you know you you've got to go right to it and and feel it so fully that that you know it you know and direct experience intuition is the knowing but it, it comes from the contact so like it's it's it was like a change from me trying to tell it what it is to sort of just getting so completely within it that it it's telling me what it is you know and I, and I know it in that way so it's a fascinating process isn't it you know just to to try to to connect in that way and i think to be able to do this i found i ran into to one little snag with it which was that um i became very concerned that actually w- what i was doing was indulging the state you know and there's a and i thought well there's a, there's like a line between indulging it and investigating it and I I set my practice to kind of getting a sense of the difference between those two. Do you know what I mean? You know, and and, I mean, all the things you hear in the hall about karma and you don't want to, you know, this weighty karma to these states of mind and and especially if they're um, loaded, you you don't want to linger in them, you know, that there's there's weight to that. So uh, I really wanted to be careful that that's actually not what I was doing. And uh, I, I realized, as I looked at it, that indeed it, it isn't what I was doing. It's not indulging. You know. Can you feel that? It's not indulging the state. It's more on a line of the receiving, the allowing, the acknowledging it so fully that there's no hatred of it. There's no indulging in it. You know, those states don't exist there. So that, you know, the greed, the hatred, the delusion, I didn't really have to worry about that. And given that those states weren't there, the mind state was free to just move, you know? It's like completely take you over and then go on out the other way, you know? You feel that? It's like, um, it's almost like it just wants to be heard. Just listen to me. Just feel me. Just allow. Give me, give me my three seconds of fame. You know, that's all I'm going to hang around. Just let me, let me express. Just uh, as I was saying that, came to mind a friend, a very dear friend of mine, Barbara. Um, she's one of my oldest. Uh, and dearest friends, and the kind of friend that every time we get together, you know, you just talk for hours and hours and hours and um, work it all out. You know, <laughs> And uh, so one of our um, most common postures would be to s- sit on either end of the couch, and, uh, with, preferably with a bowl of popcorn and a blanket, and, and just talk for hours, you know, and uh, cover the, the territory and i remember this one time and you know, i was just saying that listening it reminded me of this um this one time when we were doing this it was when her kids were little and uh the youngest uh came in right in the middle of a really you know heated point for us <laughs> one, one of these great moments and um you know he's he's mommy 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 yeah mommy, you know? and he just uh was asking for her attention and uh she just looked at me and she said, Gloria, just, just give me a minute, okay? And I, yeah, sure. And so she, she turned and this energy of receiving him was so full and so crisp. I, I'll never forget it. She just like turned to him and stayed with him through this little thing that he needed, you know. And then when it was done, he left and she came back. And back to me, turned her head back to me. And I said, oh, Barbara, that was so beautiful. You know, I, I was just so happy to be here and witness that. It was like you, you were just so there for him. It was just incredible to witness. And she said that, um, she said, I really learned early in my parenting that they don't need much. <laughs> You know, it. It. All I have to do is just give them my all, and it doesn't take much. You know, and this, this feels like this same energy, this this same quality that, that we need to have, to attend to the things that arise, to attend to what's going on with us. You know, just turn to it and say yes, and listen, and open, and receive it. You know, otherwise it becomes one of those mommy, "mommy, mommy, 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 mommy." You know, it just keeps coming back. It's like the the little kid at the line at the Kmart store. You know, <laughs> mommy, mommy, "mommy, mommy, mommy." You know, and and uh, it, it it wants its moment. And so, I, I think a lot of the meditation practice is just learning how to give it its moment without indulging it and without hating it. Just learn what we can about it, let it be. And there's, there's a way that, this is, this is something else that came up in the interviews so there's, there's a way that it, it's so interesting as well, because what one is actually visiting or seeing in this process is all the, the, the fruits of past actions, you know. So you're actually witnessing your own karma, and um if if you can receive it in a way that um doesn't resist it or contract or or, or tighten around it then it one gets one gets freed from it and you, you um you get okay with it so it's like uh you know one person was talking about how just just feeling like like uh a, a state of mind that she saw constantly in her wasn't okay, you know. And if you keep seeing it in this way, it's okay. You know, it's just going to run its course. And you know that our, our part of our work in practice is to just let that happen. Can you feel that? It's like really getting a sense of what investigating states is all about. And and I do a lot of what Ajahn was talking about last night, this conjuring, you know. Uh, one of the things that can be difficult is that lots of times states will come up, you know, at a time when you can't say, oh, excuse me, you know, uh, I need to go, I feel something coming up, I need to go look at it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't always work like that if you're at work or in the middle of something, you know. So uh literally to take it uh to just to, to make a mental note of that and and just like tasting the muffins you know that that you aren't actually even or the foods that you aren't actually even tasting you can bring that back and uh later that day bring it fully into the awareness in the same way and investigate it like like I'm describing I found that some of them, it's it's actually helpful if you think it's going to be a particularly juicy one, you know. to To go to the, uh, I often just light a candle and um, burn some incense to the Buddha, and and set you know, do a little um, ritual around it, you know. Make it welcome, <laughs> you know. Uh, establish my mind and my heart in a way that uh, says, okay, you know. And, and to trust that, that like when things bubble up, it, it's actually a good sign. You know, I found um, uh, through the years that uh, it, some of the things that are coming up seem to be more intense, and I thought it would have gone the other way, you know. <laughs> but um, I'm finding that some of it is a lot, uh, more, even more difficult to bear. And um, I actually have come to see that as a good thing, as, as a sign maybe that some of the ways that I've been holding it down are uh, softening. And so that's, that's, that's good, you know. It's, oh, oh, this, oh, look at this. This is, this is uh, good. It's a good sign. <laughs> Practice is growing. <laughs> I'm getting better. So to, to, to have this kind of uh, welcoming and uh, trusting sort of the organic process very organic, and things, it, it, it's like a a wine, you know, you, we'll serve no wine before it's time, <laughs> nothing comes up before it's time, you can trust that, and if it's surfacing, if it's coming up, it's time, have a look at it, you know. so that was um that was another thing I wanted to look at so here's one too um this This has to do with um in this whole process not being too quick to say what you think it is or, you know to 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 think that you know what it is um These things are very complex and often I've noticed in myself that there's a a tremendous amount of um, analyzing and intellectualizing about things and much more psychologically oriented than I would have thought, you know, and I'm beginning to realize that this is so much a part of our culture that it's really so much a part of us, that we think it about things in a way that, as far as meditation is, I mean, they, they, everything has its merit and everything has its place, but as far as sort of the meditation is concerned, in some ways it may not serve us. It, it, I can, I've seen myself so many times sort of settle for what is actually a, a, a kind of a superficial understanding of what it is that I'm experiencing. And not really going deeply within t- into the experience, do you know what I mean, and uh, you know just uh, trying to be on on the lookout for that that tendency, um, because the way that it it, it has manifested so many times for me and, and I, probably for you is that you know uh, there's still there still can be some sense of like um, Something's wrong with it. Something's not okay about it. Uh, There's something that I need to do about it. You know, the whole... uh, I know in myself, the whole psychological bent is so uh, self-oriented that if it's got to go through that filter, there's a lot of little messages in there that are somehow telling me that what I'm experiencing isn't okay. You know? And uh, just trying to be on guard against that because it can... What I've seen is that it makes problems out of things that aren't really problems, or too quickly take this experience and make it into something that's huge, and it could be something that is totally benign. I'll, I'll give you a good example of this. This is this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. One day I was um, in a really awful mood, and I didn't see it come on. Don't know how it came on, but it was like, it was one of those kicking moods, you know fist making a bunch of hole in the in the wall kind of mood, and uh, everything that happens when you 're in that kind of mood it seems to feed it you know it, it's like the the key doesn't work in the door you know and it, or it breaks or something like that, you know, and I think what finally got me to slow down with it was that you know I went to the freezer. And um, the freezer sometimes gets this vapor lock, you know, and the door won't open, you know. And and so I'm reaching to try to get this freezer open because I want the ice cream that's inside it, you know. (laughs) And it's like, it won't open. And I find myself just going, you know, and like punching the door and getting really pissed that this door is not opening. And and it was like, wow, what's this all about, (laughs) you know. What's going on here? And actually, it had been building all day, you know? And so I thought, well, that's, okay. let's, okay, so let's have a look, see, see what, what this is. And so I just stood there right in the kitchen and uh, went to it. And it was so easy to see. It was right there. I went to it, and I felt this tightening in my gut. And I went, oh, I'll be darned. I'm constipated. <laughs> it's like this—this this not even not like, entering fully into my awareness that I hadn't had a bowel movement since I did, couldn't remember when. And it was like this tightening that was going on in my body, and it was affecting my mind. And like you know, I think we we kind of don't recognize the interplay of these two. We have these two totally separated. Like there's the body and the mind. And and yet they're constantly playing back and forth with each other. And so a lot of the mind states, I get what I'm getting at, is that a lot of the mind states that we get into are, are coming from things like being constipated or having sinus congestion or, you know, an ache in the back that is, is, is not entering fully into consciousness. It's like it's hovering out there somewhere. And at subtle levels we hate it and we're resisting it or tightening around it. And, and then, so the, the mind in that state, it'll, everything it picks up will have that mood. And so, you know, it, it becomes uh, a punching bag if it happens to be one of these tight things. You know? Can you feel it? Have you seen that? Yeah, one time I remember thinking that I was going into this deep depression, and uh, I was uh, so sad. You know, it was going on for a while. And I had just moved to North Carolina, and it was a totally new environment for me. And a friend of mine is a physician, and and she, you know, just talked to me about it, examined it, and I was thinking I was going to get some medicines for depression. And she said, you know, you got a sinus infection. (laughs) And really, that's what it was like. the, The pressure around here was pushing on the tear ducts, and the mind, you know, is so quick to associate and relate, and bring in things that are similar, and oh, I know that, that's like this, that's like this, you know, and it, it's constantly doing this with the things that we come into contact with, and inside of no time at all, it was like, uh, you know, you're really sad, <laughs> and what it was, was, you know, pressure, and sure enough, as soon as I got the, the medicine for the sinus infection, the uh, the sadness was gone, you know, so you can't, you don't want to be too quick to, to decide that you know what it is, but really be eager and willing and courageous and honest and to, to take the state by the horns and just go into it. Get, get to know what it is directly. Anything that comes out of the head, <laughs> out of thinking you know what it is or thinking about it, is, is bound to be off. The heart knows and we can go there and get that direct experience. You know what I mean? So this um, this last one is is very it's similar. Do I have time for that? Yeah, I do. Um, it's like um, staying with the investigation all the way through, and like not anticipating that we think we know where it's going to go, or where like. Going into a state, uh, having some preconceived notion about what's on the other side. You know, I have found consistently that it's never what I think it's going to be, <laughs> or rarely. Let's say there's all kinds of surprises uh, that come out of the practice. Just having that willingness and that openness to, and the the impartiality the objectivity, keeping that kind of um, observing strong, open, and continuous in practice so that um, it can take you where it's going to take you, (laughs) not where we think it's going to take us. I'll give you a a good example of this one. This was actually quite uh, recently. I was at... um, uh Chithurst uh, Buddhist monastery this winter for the for the winter retreat. And um uh this was about some states that were coming up at this time. And uh it was a really good good lesson for me about how uh mind states when we don't catch them, they you know, it do you ever have that experience that almost like um it's like a tornado or a funnel cloud can get spinning around a particular core, and when that gets going, <laughs> look out, because whatever is the energy of that core, it, it's like it will pick up everything <laughs> in the spinning, you know, and every kind of uh, situation that that's going on in the course of your life at that time will sort of be seen through this core, through the energy of this core. And what was happening for me, I didn't see at first. But I did notice that um, what, the, uh, what I was experiencing was, um, uh, first of all, a lot of fatigue. I was really, really tired. And I thought uh, it was the extended uh, you know, schedule that we have while we're there. It was quite getting up quite early. 4.30 in, in the morning, or 4 o'clock, actually, to be up at the house at 4.30, and staying late and, and doing a lot of um, work around the monastery as they're in a supportive role, and uh, spending the afternoons uh, doing a lot of work at the computer, so I was tired, but then it started to feel like, you know, well, you know, I didn't like the wet, I'm wet, and uh, I'm hungry, and I'm not getting enough food, and and the hill is so so steep, and I have to walk up that hill every day, and this this whole energy of this thing is starting to to grow and move, and finally it reached a point where you know I was my my mind was just full of all these thoughts like you know. I can't make it at the monastery anymore. I'm getting too old. It's you know, it's it's beyond me now. And the monks and nuns are better than me. And they've always been better than me. And I've got to admit it. I've got to acknowledge it. And you know, it's like this incredible funnel of 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 that mood and the mind state. And so just to get a handle on it, I thought, well, you know, okay, I know I know where those thoughts go. I'm not. I'm really not going to go with that. you know, <laughs> I've been down this road before, <laughs> but maybe there's some piece of it that I can work on. Uh, maybe if I could just get a little more rest. So I went to uh, Sister Tanya, who is so beautiful. She's just so wonderful. She incredible capacity to, to, to hold one so lovingly, in, in ways that maybe in states like this, one isn't holding one'self, you know? which is really, to me, like what a spiritual friend is all about. So uh, it, I, I, said, I told her about what was happening, and I said, you know, I think that if I could just rest a little more, it would be, it would be good. And, of course, she said, oh, absolutely. You know, we adjusted the schedule and, uh, um, to give me another hour of sleep each day. So um, right away... After doing that, within a, a few days, I noticed that I was just so light and happy. I, I was so relaxed and and uh, far beyond what would have been probable, you know, given just a little bit more sleep that I was getting. And and so I thought, you know, why am I so happy? <laughs> What's going on here? You know, remembering to, to keep investigating, keep staying with it. Don't don't take everything at face value. You know, so uh, I I went into it and uh, I, I thought, well, you know, it became clear to me that it wasn't it wasn't just the sleep. And in fact, within a few days I I, I didn't went back to the old schedule. It wasn't the sleep really. And it wasn't these other things. But what I what I connected with when I really felt it deeply. Was this this feeling like I I said what I needed, and somebody listened to me? I, I was so surprised to see that, and as as I stayed with it, there was like this energy in there, that in this this perception, this view that who knows how long I had it, but it was it was a a, a view that. You don't ask for what you need because you either won't get it or um, what you have to go through to get it isn't worth it. You know, can you feel that? And the people I've told this story to, it's like everybody knows that feeling. <laughs> you know? um, I had no idea that that was in there. And yet these are, this is the way perceptions work. They're, they're very subtle and they're like the views, the 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 way that we're seeing life, and, and affecting the ways that we're relating, the ways that we're being together, and um and, and and most of it, like this one for me, is completely outside the realm of our awareness. We don't even know this is happening. So you could, I could feel this state, and who knows how something like that gets born? You know, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff probably is, 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 uh, is uh, you know, pre-verbal. It, it comes from the crib, you know, crying and and maybe not being uh, picked up or, or held. Or maybe from another lifetime, who knows. But it's there. And the process is bringing it out into the open so that it can be seen. And what, what happens as we awaken to the various knots and... Tight places, you know. Is that from that point on? It's, it's it. They don't have. They can't get you. It's like Mara. I see you. <laughs> you know. It, it can't hold you in the same way. You can't. You can't see things with that same misperception or that that same energy anymore. So it, everything's getting a little clearer, a little cleaner. And you know, I, I often feel like meditation is like this. This process whereby this big knotted rope is just kind of getting juggled around and loosened up and and little by little the, the knots are unraveling and, 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 and there's clarity. You know, things don't have to keep going through filters you're getting it more cleanly, more directly. So just uh, one more little quick one. The um, this kind of looking, you know, I've been looking at things that are just kind of moods and mind states, but it's this same kind of looking that takes us all the way to the to the the core of of Dhamma of truth. Um, and I'm, I'm remembering a, a time when I was at Amaravati supporting the uh, the winter retreat there. And uh, there was a, a fellow there who was um, particularly irritating. <laughs> I was having a very hard time with this uh, layman who was uh, serving the retreat with me. And yet um, I kept wanting to um, uh, open to this, this tightness that I was feeling every time he entered, every time he came into the room. It was like, you know, I knew, I, I knew he was coming. And uh, I could feel, it, feel that tightening co- uh, happening. And uh, so I just kept, you know, trying to work with it like I'm describing. And, and one time, I was standing at the sink, washing the pots, and uh, doing it quite mindfully. And I heard the door open to the retreat center kitchen, And the footsteps, that could only be his. (laughs) And like uh, because I was so there, I was just kind of doing the pots, wiping, washing, feeling the warmth of the water. In that state, and supported by how I had been working with it, it was like when I heard that sound, I could feel this tightening happen right here in my chest, you know, like my heart just went like that. And I saw really for the first time that happened here. That arose in this heart. And it was like, whoa. (laughs) All of a sudden, It wasn't him anymore. And and there wasn't something about him that was the cause of my suffering. And interestingly, too, it, it was like not only did he drop away, but this sense of me dropped away at the same time. And all that there was was this tightening and then a release and then a tightening and then a release. And it was it was amazing it, it reminded me of what um Mahabu is one of my one of my favorite teachers I never never met him, but the, the books that he's written have been so helpful to me in practice and he he talks so much about investigating down to the core, you know get right down to the very heart of it, and he talks about like taking it straight to the heart and seeing dhamma straight from the heart you know and and i love that because i felt like in that moment with this layman and the contraction that i felt i was getting a sense of what nahabu was talking about it's like you you feel it right here in your heart the the heart is like the it's like the it's 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 on automatic pilot you <laughs> know if we would just go there and feel let it help us let it kind of guide us through these states it it feels like you can't help but wake up you know it's it's all like everything we need is right there it it's just about finding uh how to how to go there how to Rest in that place of not knowing that place of receptivity allowing and opening all of the things we've been talking about but then you know you say well how well this is how isn't it we're doing it we're doing it and these kinds of insights whether they're at the level of of mind states and just kind of getting to see our karma or whether they take us all the way to the to the core of the truth of how suffering is born, and how it dies, and how that place of uncertainty is is an is an okay place you can you can dwell there and and it, and it doesn't consume us, and that any time this this sense of of self gets in on the act, you've lost it. You know. Just get, getting it—it's—it's it's all right there. Sister Medanandi sent me a, a quote one time. That, that it, I don't—I don't. I'm going to kill it. I don't even remember it completely. But it was from Kafka, and it said something to the effect of, "You know, attend. Just stay there, and the truth will roll itself in ecstasy at your feet. <laughs> it has to." Because that's where it is, you know. I love that, I feel it. So I, I hope these uh, these thoughts are helpful for you in your practice. This this we have a number of days yet to to keep investigating down to the core, <laughs> and uh, my wish for for all of us is that that investigation will take us all the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, uh we just did it this morning. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, We'll finish with the um, Brahma-viharas in Pali. That's page 20. (laughs) Annamayang chaturapa manyao bhāsanang karo sceta sahe kan disan bharita va vi tata tuti tata tati tata ca tutan ittyo dhammadho thiriya sabhati sabhatata tayas sabhavandha Lo kang meta na chetasa vipole mahagate na, na paritava viharadi karuna sahag- the sae kang di sang varita vi arati tata duti yang tata tati yang sabati sabata iya lokang karuna sahagatena cetasa Vipalena mahagatena apam Averena ambayapa jena paritava viarati mudita sahagatena cetasa He Varita Vaviharati vā Tatadutiyang Data Tatiyang Data Jatu Tang Itio Dhammado Tiriyang Sabati Sah Bhavandha Lokang Mudita Sahagate Nache sa vipullena maha-gate jena paritava viharati upekasa na ceta sahe svarita vavi vā yarati tata duti yang data tati dhammado data ca tutang ittyo dhammadho lokang upe ka Chaitasavipalena mahagate apamane na avere hambayapa chena paritava viharate. Uh, Satsang